I said he's in this house right now. And he wants to do a work in your life tonight. Give him another resounding praise. Give him another resounding praise. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I won't even go any further until I know that the Lord wants me to go. See, I'm committed and I'm submitted to the move of God. I don't like to get before him and I don't like to lack behind him, but I like to get right there in the wave and what she's growing. And I won't go another further, another moment huh, until he says go. My God, my God, my God. Give him another resounding praise. Your praise breaks barriers of darkness. Your praise, the sound waves, break through barriers of adversity. Your praise ought to be proportionate to your consecration. Your praise ought to be proportionate to your prayer. And when we all come together in his midst, we ought to lift up our resounding praise. Lord, I feel you. Lord, I feel you in this house. Lord, I feel your spirit in this house. God, you have your way, Lord. God, you move by your spirit, Jesus. God, you let your perfect will be done. That you would break forth in this service right now. That you would take charge of the atmosphere. That you would move in this place right now, Lord. That you will begin to move on the hearts of your people. That you will begin to move on the minds of your people. God, that they would shake off the cares of this life and get right here in your spirit, oh God. like I love him? Do you love him more? <laughs> it's like most of us are moms. We think our moms is the best mom in the world. Everybody's like, my mom is, my mom is. My God is the best God in the world. And I know he's the best to me and he's the best to you. He's the only God. <laughs> I feel such a, woo, I feel such a surge in this house. I'm gonna do my best to follow after God. And if he wants me to, to just, whatever you want to do, Lord, you do it right now in this house, Jesus. Whatever you want to do, you do it right now, Lord, in this house. I don't know, but I feel victory. I feel victory in the name of Jesus. Woo. I'm going to do my best to navigate through this the best that I feel. If you want to go with me to James chapter two, 
actually chapter 21. Many, I hope I wrote this down correctly. I give an honor to God. He is the most absolute love of my life. I am in love with the Savior. <laughs> he's, he's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I tell it all over everywhere I go. Even if they don't want to hear it, it doesn't matter. I'm in love with the Savior. I'm in love with him. Woo, Jesus. I give honor to my children. I love you all. Thank God for you daily. I love you, Bishop. Give honor to you. You're, you're the most amazing bishop, pastor, preacher, teacher, father. I'm sure first lady, husband, <laughs> all around. And I, 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 I love you, Bishop. I love you for believing in us when nobody else would. <laughs> believing in us and, and bringing us up in the way that we should go. Thank you for leading us into end time revival like never before. And we're, we're honored that you are our Bishop. I love you. Love you, first lady. I call her mom. I love you, Rock Church. I really do. I don't know. You, you know what? Go ahead and take your seats. I, I'm just feeling. I, <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. We're going to have a good time tonight. We're going to have a good time. I just want to give a little bit of my testimony. This is unscript um, or scripted. I don't know. I, um, as most of you know, I am not a native to Florida. I'm from California, a city called Tulare, and it is but just a small speck on the map. It's not Los Angeles or San Francisco or any of those other major cities that you've probably heard about. Um, most of you know I'm a single mother of five. <laughs> and God brought me here to Fort Myers, Florida. Um, circumstances, I thought, led me here unforeseen circumstances or what I thought that led me here, but God brought myself and my children here to Fort Myers, Florida, to the Rock Church, and I'm forever indebted to God for choosing me. I am. And you all are my family. There's times I just want to run and grab my mom's neck, so I go and grab First Lady's neck. <laughs> and um, I am not here... Uh, with any family, any biological family, not a mother, father, brother, sister, cousin, aunt, or uncle. You all are really my family. When I say that, I mean it literally, <laughs> spiritually also. And um, I would not leave this right here for anything. Nah. And I love my family. They're viewing right now. <laughs> I love them with all my heart. It would take God. God's, God would have to come down and manifest himself before me <laughs> to tell me to leave. Because I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. And um, I never lived for God like I live for God ever since I came here to the Rock Church of Fort Myers. Never lived like this. I never had mentorship and leadership that pushed and pulled me and showed me and educated me and prayed for me and 
just been that model for me. I've never had that in my life. I just want you to understand right now, if you are here at the Rock Church, you are blessed. You're blessed. Sometimes it takes you to come from something or get a glimpse of something in someone else's life for you to understand and say, I am blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And I do believe we haven't seen anything yet. Amen. All right. So I believe it's James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, and then 20, 21, 22, and 26 media. Let us all stand for the reading of the word. My God. God, you're so good. Oh, you're perfect in all of your ways. You're all-knowing, you're omniscient, you're omnipotent, you're eternal. You are love. The songwriter said, love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. And he said, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Oh, my God. We love you, Jesus. But we know that we can never love you like you love us. So with open hearts tonight, I pray right now, God, that you would move upon every person, upon every mind upon every heart, no matter the situation, no matter what we're facing, no matter what is outside of those back doors, that we will get, grab a hold of a Kairos moment in this house tonight. And we will just love on you tonight, Jesus. I just want to love on you tonight. I just want to love on you, Jesus. I don't know what you're going to do, and I'm not going to even call it. We're going to shout it down. We're going to whatever. God, I don't, I don't know what you're going to do, but I just want to be right there in the vein of it. Right there smack dab in the middle of the, in the vein of it. What doth the prophet, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food. And if one of you say unto them, depart, ye in peace, be warm and filled. I'll just pray for you, you'll be okay. Notwithstanding, you give them not these things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, no works, not a work, is dead being alone. Yea, a man say, thou hast faith? <laughs> I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. But wilt thou know, O oh, vain man, this 20th verse, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac upon the altar? 22, seest thou faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith 
made perfect. Faith made perfect. You see then how, 24, that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And if you hang in there with me tonight, I'm just going to flow in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to talk to you about hypothesized faith. Hypothesized faith. One more time. Just tell them you love them. Just, just whisper sweet things to him. He's the lover, Judah. He's the lover behind the lattice. And if you're not careful, he'll slip right by and you'll just to be finding him and searching for him. Where is the love? Where is the love of my soul, my, my beloved? Oh, God. We're nothing without you, Jesus. We love you. Have your way in this house, Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I turned 41 years old this year. And there is one grade in school that I love the most, and that was the eighth grade. <laughs> and in the eighth grade, we studied science. Anybody like science? Science was amazing. We dissected frogs. It was cool. One time, <laughs> my mom, she had to deal with an eccentric child. Uh, I was walking home from school, and I saw a dead cat. And I was like, cool, that dead cat has a heart. So I took one of my stepdad's butcher knives and went and took out the heart, baggaged it. I'm no murderer. He was already dead. And because I wanted to take it to my science teacher and say, hey. But when my mom came home, she wasn't too cool about finding a cat's heart in the freezer. So kind of got in trouble. <laughs> At the very young age, how, am, how old am I when I'm in eighth grade? 15? Okay, 13. All right, one of those teens. I, um, I resolved in my heart that I wanted to be a neurosurgeon, intrigued by the brain and intrigued with cutting things open. Um, yeah, that's what I wanted to be. And um, in science, we learned about hypo a hypothesis. And does anybody know what that is? Okay. <laughs> when you're conducting a an experiment, um, it's called an educated guess. If I take this water, take the top off and drink it, the bottle will be empty. <laughs> and that's not always true because I could drink it and start to choke and die. And then the water will be full. So in science, they give a proposed explanation made on the basis of limited evidence. And that's the starting point. That's the basis. That's ground level for further investigation. In fact, the term hypothesis originated from the Greek. It was called hypo, I'm sorry, hupo, which is under, and thesis, which is placing. And then it shifted in Latin and became hypothesis. And a hypothesis is testable, amen? 
And in this experiment, you have some variables. In a hypothesis, you have at least two variables. And those variables are related. And you want to test reactions and reactions in those variables. And hypothesis, somebody say hypothesis. Say it three times. It's referred to also as a if-then statement. Any moms in the house? Mom, if I clean my room, then I can go spend the night at... <laughs> Here's an example. If I pray every day, then I will grow closer to God. Further investigation, right? Because it's with an if. The if-then hypothesis is called a formalized hypothesis. In an experiment, as I said, there are variables that are to be tested. If I were to say, if I play the lottery, then I'll be rich. Well, I don't play the lottery. I actually put my money in engines that will yield a greater return, and that's the offering plate. <laughs> it's a definite return. Definite. But just because one thinks that they can play a lottery doesn't mean that they're going to win. More chances than not, they're not. More chances than they are. Somebody else is winning that money, but they certainly, certainly aren't. They're actually paying the other person. It's weird. But if I bring my tithe into the storehouse, God says that he would open me up windows of heaven and pour out blessings that I don't have room to receive. I don't know about you, but a scratch-off never, never promised me that. If I pray every day, then I will grow closer to God. Variables. Time. Prayer. These are the variables that are being tested, right? So, the length of time spent praying will be considered the independent variable. It stands alone. Time can't be altered unless God does it, right? Everybody's allotted a certain amount of time. Prayer is always there and always ready and always available. You know, you can't go take prayer and hide it from everybody. Everybody has access to it. Those are the same. So, that's the independent variable. It stands alone, isn't changed by the other variable. I'm sorry, it's the independent. The dependent variable would be the growth. You spend time, are you closer to your relationship with God or are you further? That's the variable. And it depends on you, what you do. One can challenge the experiment and say, I don't have the time. I barely have time for myself. But in my personal experiences, I found that I have to make the time. Yeah. I got to make the time. And it's easy to make the time when I'm in dire need. All of a sudden, prayer becomes the first response. But when my barns are full and I'm fat, I got to find the time. Because everything else is, I'm allowing to occupy that time. Do we have any honest saints in the house tonight? Did anybody find time to pray after the IRS hit that bank? <laughs> all right, just lighten up in here. <laughs> in all reality, we hypothesize, Pastor Hammond, every day, right? If I get up at 5, then I'll make morning prayer. <laughs> if, hypothesis, if then, right? 
If I eat fruit salads from now until impact, then I'll be skinny enough to fit that dress. How many ladies feel me? <laughs> if I pray every day, then I will go stronger in the Lord. If, then, if, then. Not to be mistaken with hypothetical. <laughs> Possible in theory, but does not exist in reality. Hypothetically speaking, Pastor Hammond, if a dinosaur came and took over the world, come on, we know that won't happen. But I'm saying hypothetically, when people start to speak hypothetically, I shut it off. Because I'm all about reality. <laughs> Don't bring hypothetics to me. Bring Jesus' name to me. Bring the word of God to me. Don't bring hypothetics. Hypothetically, he wasn't, the preacher wasn't saying, oh, yes, honey, he was saying that, and then some. We talk hypothetically, right? My kids and I have talked. They do a lot of the talking. We've been believing God for promises. We've been standing on his word, even though the substance hasn't actualized. But children have this weird concept of time. And they probably think I've been preaching for like two hours already. <laughs> Sometimes we feel like that, right? Because it hasn't actualized in our time. So that prayer that we stood on, that promise that we believe, becomes a hypothetical thought. Well, it's not if the word says this and that. It's Will God do it? My kids started saying things like, it would have been cool if, that time, if God, and I'm like, no, 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 baby, it's when God will do it. It's because God will do it. Amen? It's because God will do it. And I know that they're speaking out of frustration. I get it. And sometimes, you know, we charge God foolishly out of frustration because the promise hasn't actualized in our time. And if we're honest with ourselves and with God, we'd repent. <laughs> we wouldn't grow bitter and hold grudges, right? So how is this, the promises of God actualized in our lives today? How can this happen? I pray, I fast, I read my Bible. I attend church regularly, I'm active, involved in ministry, I give my tithes, I'm doing all that I feel that I know, so what's the problem, Lord? How come nothing's actualizing? After all, you are God. I mean, you spoke the world into existence just by thoughts, and then you spoke it. You see my situation, Lord. What more can I do? If you don't help me, I'm helpless. How long has it been? God, please, please, please. Then the word of com God comes forth over the pulpit and Bishop is just preaching with everything that's in him. I mean preaching. Exactly what it is that you're praying, he's preaching. 
And he's showing, he's, he's, you know what he's doing? He's, he's throwing seeds. He's throwing seeds. Blessing. Favor. Growth. Everything that you need that you're praying for, and guess what? Our response to the word? Hypothetical. Yeah, I know that he said that, but it's probably not talking about me. After all, it's been so much time. I don't, I think God's just not going to answer that in my life anymore. Our response should be proportionate to our understanding of how faith works. Because we walk by and not by. And did you know that it is impossible to please God if you lack faith? For him that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Talking about the hypothesized faith. Diligently seek him. Seek to attempt to find. If I have to seek out for something, chances are it's not right there in front of me. An attempt or desire to obtain. You may not get results right, right away. But there is still a reward when you seek him with all of your diligence. And it's not like you're looking for something that you will never find. Because he said, knock, seek, and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. You're not seeking for, for something for nothing. You, there is a prize. There is something to act, that will actualize when you find it. But we get impatient. We grow impatient. Because we get about maybe 100 years, give or take on this life. I don't know what the stats are. And... You get halfway through and you're just like, oh. and you may see it actualize amongst you, but not in your life. So that can be a little discouraging, right? Be honest, be a little discouraging. But we worship and we praise with you because we're happy. But all along, there's that subtle, innate feeling of like, God, yes, Lord. Right here. It's like if we can see him coming, First Lady, we'll be like, I'll just, I'll just run to where he's at. Uh -huh. <laughs> we got to keep our spirit right. Right? But we, we count ourselves out. We feel like we run out of time. And we leave it up to ourselves to figure things out. Right? <laughs> Exodus 31, 18. Moses just spent 40 days with the Lord on Mount Sinai. God had given him two tablets, which were the Ten Commandments, to bring down to teach the people. And what did he find when he came down from that mountain? People running around streaking, dancing, worshiping, golden image. And they told Aaron to make them an image. Then when Moses confronted them, they told him that it just somehow formed in the fire. 
If what you were doing were okay, then why do you have to lie about it, about how it happened? So they were like, Moses, I don't know what happened to this guy. Why ain't, I haven't seen him in a long time. Yo, we need a God. Let's make one. Aaron's like, give me your earrings. We'll throw it in here. You know, he took a little chafing and made a molding, cow, molding calf. And they started to worship that calf. And you know what they said? This is the God that brought us out of Egypt. <laughs> so soon to forget. You want to know why it's impossible to please God without faith? Because when we get tired of seeking him diligently, we begin to look for alternatives. We erect our alternatives as God. God, since you couldn't do it, I found another way. The Bible says that he is the Lord that delivered them out of Egypt with a strong hand. My God, can you just lift your hands right there? I feel that. Alternatives. <laughs> God is a loving God, yet while we were sinners, he died for us. But he didn't die so that we could remain in our sin. So that we can throw in the towel when we don't think or we don't believe that it's actualized in our time, in our desired time. What is interesting is that before Moses even got down from the mountain... They are violating, they are sinning against God, and they did not know that the very first commandment was, thou shalt have no other gods before me. I found that so interesting. Before he even got down with the law, they were already breaking the law with the very first, love the Lord with all your heart. Don't have any other gods before him. He also says, if you love me, then... You'll keep my commandments. These are conditional. These are conditional. Because the world will say, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you're saved, hallelujah, go home and eat cupcakes. But there are conditions to this walk with God. Conditions to this walk with God. Conditions. If, then. In Genesis chapter 18, 26. The Lord tells Abraham, if you find in Sodom 50 righteous in the city, then I will spare the place for their sakes, for the 50 righteous sakes. He was on an experiment. <laughs> He's running 50, 50. You righteous, you righteous, you righteous, you know, 50, 50, 50. And you know the story. He kept going back and going back and going back and found none. John 18, 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. And at this time, God's people thought that he would come in as a knight in shining armor and, and establish his throne on earth and kick all the Romans out and let them know, hey, we here. That's how we feel in this life, right? God, just, just use me, Lord, so they can just see I'm blessed. But he's like, my kingdom's not of this world. If it were, I would send my servants to fight for it. 
God's about eternity. He's about eternity. Promises, covenants. Galatians 3.29. I don't know why I always want to say Galatians. Galatians 3.29. And if he be Christ, then you are Abraham's seeds and heirs of the promise. If you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seeds. Heir to the promise. Heir to the crossover. Wherever you put your foot, whatever you, wherever you take dominion, I will give you. Because my name's on you. My covenant relationship. We are in relationship. We are in a love relationship together. This is a promise. And they're perpetual. That's why we still have a bow in the sky today. Because it's perpetual. It goes on and on and on. If, then. I'm talking about the hypothesized faith. Numbers 10 and 9. And if the Lord delight in us then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Delight in him. Then he will give you the land flowing with milk and honey. The land that God wants us to understand tonight is here. It's here. Sometimes we feel like we have to dress up the land with the tangible, as if it confirms who we are. If my education, if I just get, ladies, if I just get married and get a husband and then God will move in my life and then I... If I just, financially, if he just blesses me, then everybody see that I, uh, the land is here. The land is here. The land is here. And what does that mean? My land. It doesn't take but a second to look around you to see what's going on in your land geographically. And we are permeable people. You know what that means? Stuff can get in. Our skin is permeable, right? If you're ashy, you put lotion on, and the lotion absorbs a little bit and loosens up the skin, make it shine a little bit, and you look great, right? <laughs> you go out into the world and you interact because you have to. you got to occupy your time. And you may work next to someone or rub shoulders with someone that, that, whose land is, is dry. And it doesn't take too long before you start to feel that. You know, so we, we distance ourselves a little bit. This is something about the dry land. It, 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 it's never satisfied. <laughs> it wants to consume everything around it. If you are happy and your land is full and plenteous and there's no fallow ground, the fallow ground's been broken up and the seeds have been planted, God's watering and you, you have increase and you're praying and you're doing everything that you can do. But all you have to do is just surround yourself by dry land. And you know what that dry land would do? It would automatically start just to absorb your nutrients, your water, everything. It just sucks you to, to your, it's, 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 it's just inevitable. It's inevitable. 
And then, we, and then, then we're left with dry land. Dry land. And we find ourselves in a state of destitute because somewhere, somehow, I allowed that to happen. Somewhere, somehow, I didn't walk by faith. I didn't stand on the faith. I didn't, I di I didn't mix my faith with works. But I took a back seat, took a back seat to that. Because we're permeable people, and if we're not careful, we get into a position in a place where people will start to start to influence us. And then our ideologies and our theories will become theirs. But the Lord said, delight in him. Delight in him. And your land will flow with milk and honey. You know what I think, or when I see a land flowing with milk and honey, is a land that stands for God, no matter what is going, no matter the turmoil. He said he's able to keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. I won't defile my land with those that are around me or those of the world. God, I will keep it sacred. What I inform myself, Lord, it will be with your word and the pleasures. Everything that you delight in, Lord, I will also delight in. Because I want the milk and honey of my spirit. And I want it to overflow to every influence that I have. I can't be clean if I touch something dirty. Second Chronicles 20 and 9. If when evil come upon us and the sword judgment or pestilence or famine, we stand before the house in thy presence for thy name is in this house and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. I just want to tell somebody, it doesn't matter how long it's been. It doesn't matter what the situation is looking like. It does not matter. God said if you delight in him, he will give you the desires of your heart. And it's not contingent upon time, chronos, as we know it. Because God is eternal. And he knows just when it's time to make that actualize. Will you just lift your hands right there? I feel that right there. So many people turn away because they feel like it didn't happen in time. So many people, so many of us sell ourselves short because of time. We didn't even make the time. God made time, chronos as we know it. He made it from an eternal perspective. It's a drop in the bucket. From an eternal perspective, he gave us time here on earth. When we come into the house of the Lord, it's time to praise the Lord. When we come 30 minutes before, it's time to pray. When we're faced with adversity in our lives, our first response is time to hit our knees. And if we are abiding in him, 
And the adversity comes and is throwing its fiery darts, then we can hold God to his word. And this is where I want to get to tonight. Because defeat stops tonight. It stops tonight. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I, I, I raise up my children the best that I can, Pastor Hammond, and I teach them to be strong. And the church is strong. And if you're weak, then you got something to come to that is strong. Because you have to have strength for weakness to come to, to make it strong. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. And I teach them to be strong. And I do my best to equip them with the necessary tools as a mom for them to walk a life of victory and strength. But there are some times that I see them in defeat. And I've talked to them and I told, hey, you know what to do in this situation. And they don't have any confidence sometimes, one time, a couple times throughout their lives, their precious hearts. They don't have the confidence because what they're going through is lying to them and telling them the opposite is in opposition of God's will and God's promises and God's life. And I'm like, kid, you know better. And I feel like that's how God handles us. Like, what more do I need to tell you or show you? If then. If then. Any Bible readers in the house? Let me tell you right now. These secrets and these blessings and this strategy is in the word of God. You ain't going to find it anywhere else. You're not. You're not, you're not going to find it anywhere else. To know him is to know his word. And you won't know that there's an if and a then if you don't take time to open it and learn about your Savior and get the tools that you need to walk by faith. Band, if you could come. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. In chapter 7, it opens with Solomon praying and offering sacrifice unto God. God sends down fire, consumes the burnt offering. The glory of God is filled in that house. He built the temple, y'all. The children of Israel was there to witness how the fire came down, and they saw the glory of God upon the house, and they bowed in worship. Then King David and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord, 2,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep. And the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. They all began to worship with instruments and music with David the king and made, and made to praise the Lord because his mercy endured. David led in praise. The priests sounded the trumpets. All of Israel stood. Solomon hollowed the middle of the court. That was before the house of the Lord. And there he offered burnt offerings. The feast of worship and offering was up to the Lord. It went on for seven days and everybody, say everybody, everybody participated. And on the eighth day they made a solemn assembly for they kept the dedication of the altar. Seven days. And the feast, seven days. And on the 20 day, 23rd day of July, Solomon sent the people away to their tents. 
Everyone was glad and merry in heart for the goodness that the Lord had showed unto David and Solomon and Israel and his people. Solomon finished the house of the Lord in the king's house. And all that came into Solomon's heart to make for the house of the Lord and his own house, he prosperously effected. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. I love all the sacrifice. My God, everybody, one mind, together, was worshiping in the temple. The glory of God descended upon them. God was so pleased. And it was in this state right here that he said, if I shut up the heavens, that there be no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. He, he didn't say it because COVID hit. If my people. He said it at a time where they just all worshiped and celebrated him and his glory was there. And he's like, hey, I know, I know in your humanity, you're going to mess up. But let me tell you something. My people, you're called by my name. When, when the pestilence come, because it's going to come, because it's my word, I'm going to send it. When the locusts come, when, when the trials of this life come, when things come your way, and you lose your way, check it out. Just humble yourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. And I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sins. And I will heal your land. A lot of times our land isn't healed, First Lady, because we don't humble. We don't humble ourselves. We want to hold on to stuff. She did me wrong. He did this. I don't like the way that happened. I'm just going to hold on to this right now. Well, I don't want to humble. I can't humble. It hurts. But he said, you're, you're my people. You're called by my name. You're baptized in my name. You have my spirit. I'm forgiven of your sins. You're my people. Humble yourselves. And I will hear. And you know what he goes on to say? For, for now I have chosen and sanctified this house. That my name may be there forever. And mine eyes and my heart shall be there. Guess what? Perpetually. That's unconditional love, Brother Judah. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask what you will and it will be done unto you. Talking about the hypothesized faith. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? My God, my God, my God. I love you more than the time you're taking to answer my prayer. I'm not in this for me, God. I'm in this for you. So if I do this, then I know you will delight in me. 
Sister Poindexter, chain up a child in the way they should go, and then when he is old, he won't part from it. He might stray, but he won't part. I remember when my, it was my son, it was my son, who I was going to lose to the world, and I said, God, you know we did the best that we could here. I'm doing the best that I very can with my babies, and it's just me and you, God, it's just me and you. You are my supporter. This is a one-income family. You are my supporter. I'm doing everything I can do, Lord, everything that I know that I can do to follow after you and to be the example and to train them up, to be in alignment with my leadership, to be obedient even if I don't understand or if it hurts because I trust them. I trust you. And I was about to lose him to the world. And he said it was okay for me to say this. And I said, God, but your word says right here in Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way they should go. When he's old, he won't part. Did I, did I miss, is, this a, is there variableness in this? I didn't have to fast because I didn't have an appetite. I was going through the stages, the grieving stages of death. And I poured out of my heart to him and I cried and I tried to reason with him. I'll never forget that day. And when we left that hour, two-hour-long conversation, he had made up in his mind that he was going to do what he wanted to do. And he was sorry. He loved me. I respect you. But I, this is just something I got to do. I said, God, this is what your word says. I remember the Sunday, the Sunday that I went home after church and I didn't really talk didn't want to talk. All I could do was cry and mourn. And I heard a knock at the door, and it was his voice. <laughs> he said, where's mom? They said, she's in the room. Mom? Yeah? Can I talk to you? Yes. Mom, I don't want to do this, is what he told me. I'm just ravished with guilt. He said, I can't, I can't do it, Mom. I'm sorry. And I grabbed him by his neck and I hugged him and God said, my word is true. My word is true. If you have a backslidden child, his word is true. You train them up, you charge God to his word. Bring their clothes, bring their shoes, put it in the house of the Lord. Lord, that you would order their steps. Lord, that they would be sitting right here with me. Because you already promised me if I raise them up in the way they should go, that they will not depart from you. And I'm standing on your word. The hypothesized faith. Substance of things hoped for evidence of things not seen. Let us lift our hands, let us stand. Somebody need to learn tonight how to walk in faith, how to walk by faith. If I've done nothing, I have pointed you in a direction to where you can know what to do, to delight in him, to prove him, to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him because his word is his bond. He he cannot lie. He doesn't know how. You got to trust him tonight.
mamas, do you want babies? Bring that onesie to church, lay it over that pew and worship. Because I walk by faith and not by sight. Satan, you're a liar. The truth ain't in you. The word of God is tried. It's proven perpetually. There's some people in this house tonight. There's some people in this house tonight. God has given you a measure of faith. The measure of faith. Activate it. Take him at his word. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. You're a God of your word. You never lie. You can never fail. Everything that you say, every promise that you've made, it's going to come to fruition and actualize right before me in the name of Jesus. If I delight myself in you, you will give me the desires of my heart. I desire you, Lord. I desire for my land to be plenteous with milk and honey. Every situation. 